Knock, knock. Who's there? Uh, oh boy, I didn't think of how to set this up. <laughs> 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 Welcome to Marxism Today. I am Red Wagner. I'm Tony Schmidt. I'm Thad Logan. And today I want to try something a little bit different, guys. This is a blast from the past. Something that has been around for a long time and is not too serious. This is a lighthearted topic, but I want to try something a little different for us. Back in the 90s, there was a rock band called the Presidents of the United States of America. Heck yeah, there was. And they had a hit single, Peaches, that you may remember. Oh my gosh. Yes, I do. I literally looked this up a week ago because it popped into my head and I hadn't heard it in so long. There is a famous or infamous article or paper or blog post I'm going to go with blog post. It's not very well written. But there's a famous piece written about peaches. Yeah. An interpretation of it from a Marxist viewpoint. Yeah. Now, I don't think it's the most sophisticated piece, but I thought it would be fun to talk about it a little bit. So, at this time, we're going to play a short clip of peaches for our listeners we'll listen to the whole thing listeners if you want to pause and listen to the whole thing you can i don't think that we can play the whole thing for you and we are going to read the piece on it which is actually quite short it's probably one page or so uh so if you want to look up the piece you can google it or you can look in the show notes we'll have a link to it there we'll pause for now and we'll see you again in just a moment to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat me a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. Peaches come from a can. We just, uh, the three of us, read the essay and also listened to the tune. There's one framing thing that I want to say. The And the person, the, the author here, writes a good kind of, the almost the same message. Where he says, okay, I'm making this argument for interpretation at the very beginning and then he says but that doesn't necessarily mean i agree with it okay that's understood that you can make the point that some piece of art is making an argument that you don't agree with that's fine uh on top of that i'm also going to say that the intention of the artist is one way to look at a piece of art, but it's not the only way. And uh, I do know I've seen some interviews with the presidents of the United States of America group who say, yeah, the song has nothing to do with 
communism or Marxism or whatever. It's just, hey, you know, we wrote this song. But from my point of view, the things that you create as an artist, you don't really know always why you say all of those things. It's just a reflection of what's what's inside of you. And uh, what's inside of you is part of the culture, because you're part of the culture. So, you know, just because that wasn't your intention when you created the piece doesn't mean that you didn't accidentally create a piece that has a lot to say about capitalism, or maybe it has nothing to say about capitalism. But, you know, the artist's intention is only one thing to look at, and it's not the be-all, end-all of any piece of art. Yeah, totally agree. Like, authorial authority, uh, it, it like it's just one side of the equation, and how people interpret something, it, you, you can get pretty loose definitions of, like, any, interpret, any interpretation's okay. It still has to be supported by what you see in there, but that's one thing I want to point out here, too, is whether this kid is in high school uh, or not, like... I think they do a pretty good job of finding examples to support uh, their their thesis here. They're pretty good at interpreting it. I think they'd be a pretty good English major, actually. Um, I, I like a lot of the, the things they point out. They they take some stretches, but they be they're a little creative, and I, and I think it it makes it charming, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with you. There's definitely if I were writing this, there are definitely things that I would change about this, yeah. and things that uh, I I you know, and little things that we could pick apart if we wanted to. Um, but as far as making the case goes, well, I don't know if I want to jump there right now, but do you want to start with, with your reflections? I was just going to say, um, I don't, I think this, these, this author, author in their doctoral dissertation on this topic, (laughs) (laughs) um, sorry, no, I'm just being mean. Um, I think, I think that the author doesn't exactly understand communism like the idea of like like going out of like the cities and like like sort of living as one with nature is um almost sort of more of an anarchist type idea uh specifically like an eco-anarchist idea and is actually a conservative thing as opposed to a progressive communist thing and he makes the assumption, and I don't think the the song says it at all, that peaches in a can are bad. Like, he makes the assumption, er, it, his interpretation has it as, like, a bad thing. Like, they're, they're defacing the pure nature of it. Whereas, really, the song doesn't say that. And I think you could easily, you should make the argument for communism, the fact that we can take something that only grows once a year and be able to preserve it and have food for people the rest of the year that tastes... You know, maybe not as great as it does fresh, but still pretty close and good. That that's a very positive forward step. Um, so that that off the bat is is something that drew those drew my eye the most. Sure, one of the things you brought up is something I wanted to talk about too, which is this author's uh, idealization of the country, and I do think that is part of the song. I feel like the song is idealizing the country, and the the author of the essay recognizes that. And I think that there are different branches of that. You mentioned that there's a kind of the conservative branch of that, which I think is part of, like, you know, 
being free and living on your own. It's almost this, like, fantasy of capitalism. It's the image that capitalism likes to sell that you produce on your own and you trade with others. Like, it's the, you know, individual small producer trading with other producers. That's kind of the image that capitalism presents to us, in America at least. Uh, because that's a nicer picture than oh, you've got this lower class that works for the capitalists and blah, blah, blah. So the image capitalism says, they say, this is what capitalism is. It's people making something on their own and then going out to the market and selling it. And they are rewarded based on the the quality of their product. So that's the conservative part of it, which I think totally ties into this idealization of the country. However, I think that there is a communist way to do it, too, which I think you kind of recognized in, in what you called a, an eco-anarchist method. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily tied explicitly or only to eco-anarchist. I think that it's a good point that it's kind of more aligned with that. But I think escaping to the country can be tied in with communism in the sense that I feel like the city is, in fact a really good representation of modern capitalism. The the living format of capitalism, the way that capitalism organizes people and resources, is largely into cities. And we're seeing that even today, where lots of towns are disappearing off the map because the last person who lived there moved out of them. You know, they're gone, and more and more of the population lives in what are cities now. So I think it is a good point that the idealization of the country and saying I'm moving to the country is a rejection of the real-life lived capitalism of the world. However, it's not clear whether it's a rejection of that in favor of the idealized capitalism or if it's in rejection of the real-life lived capitalism for an alternative. That's something that I'm not sure the song makes clear. Also, there's not a a large place there for revolution in the song. It, they, he talks about it later, um, like at the end, uh, with the the music sort of supports a more like aggressive stance, and it seems, and they say, and they say, look out, the like revolution is coming. But if you, he also says that, um, and then I keep saying he, who knows, this could have been a girl. That yeah, said we're a lot assuming of this. a male author. Sure. Uh, but he says that they, they either leave to go to the country or go to another country. Um, and, and, and in my mind, that is a little bit different about like when I hear you guys talk about what needs to happen in this country, we couldn't all just like run away and fix things. Really, it wouldn't be, it's not an effective way to, to, to reform sort of the structure of things here. Um, and I thought that that was a little striking in this is that they, they just take off. And they certainly just take off in the in the in the song, but in his analysis of it too, it's like, oh, we're we're getting away, and it seems like a nice fantasy, like you're getting away to that never never land, and you're and things are better now, but well, but why do they just stay better there? And he says, oh, I guess another country, but doesn't really end up changing things. I think it's interesting that he does say the country as as a place out you know, in a rural area. Yeah. And, he, and then he also says, well, maybe country means a different country. In other words, a different nation. Right. Uh, that struck me as very odd and interesting yeah. when I first read this, because I had never interpreted the song 
when it said country to mean a different country. I think that that is a product of maybe the time frame in which this was written. I think the Soviet Union was probably more of a real thing at that time. I don't know exactly if, if the Soviet Union was gone by the time this was written. That could be. But it was still, at the very least, in recent memory. Mm. The idea that there could be a socialist nation that you could move to. And, and maybe there still are. There are places that you could call social democratic nations. You know, the Scandinavian countries that Bernie Sanders likes to talk about. Uh, of course, there's Cuba. But I think the idea of moving to a socialist country is something that is largely off the table in today's discussions, mm-hmm. especially among socialists, uh, that, that the discussion is much more about changing our country or changing the world. Did you guys, did it strike a, a chord with you, um, or was it noticeable to you with how much this author wanted to clarify that they did not condone these views, not only at the start, but at the end as well. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a strong impulse that even when you're exploring ideas of socialism and communism, you you need to socially uh, insulate yourself from those ideas. And and maybe this is a, a... you know, this is kind of a very innocent version of that, but I think that that exists uh, like in a in a big way and larger scale too. I completely agree. It was striking to see how far out of the way, out of his way, the author would go to say that he does not believe in communism, nor does he agree with it, and he's just saying that the song has some aspects of that. Honestly. What I thought was the vibe I got from it was that the author has some sympathies for the ideas of communism. Mm. Like, in the middle of the essay, I felt like he was characterizing communism as Mm quasi-favorable. And only at the disclaimer and in the conclusion where he feels the need to, to... call back to that disclaimer does he say i don't support this so i i the feeling that i got was it's someone who's interested in these ideas who's interested in marxism inter, interested in communism but d- feels afraid or or for some reason that he cannot fully associate with them we could wrap this podcast like that every episode <laughs> Hello, um, just because we talk about Marxism and socialism and communism and call ourselves Marxists does not mean that we are or believe any of the above. Or <laughs> <laughs> for Trump, 2016. I would hope that the author of this piece um, today would write it differently. And by that, I mean not because he's older. I mean just like <laughs> in the sense that uh, – I think today you are more free to talk about these ideas. And I think that's part of Bernie's uh, success right now, um, as, as well as he is doing. I think that since the Soviet Union has fallen and the Cold War becomes a thing of the past, that a lot of people, younger people, the Cold War was not a part of their political memory. Or, you know, there's plenty of people born in this country now that weren't alive during the Cold War even, or or were too young to remember it. But 
as that portion of the population grows and grows, I think it becomes more and more acceptable to actually look at these questions and to say, what do we want our economic system to be? And ask that honestly. You know, the Cold War kind of cast this big shadow over the whole country and over this debate to say, you're not really allowed to talk about this. And you can try to pretend to talk about it, but your conversation really needs to boil down to just be a big cheerleading session for capitalism. That's the only capacity at which you can talk about this subject. Now you can talk about it, I think, more freely. So I think part of all of the hedging that we see going on in this article is, I hope, just a relic of the times. Yeah. Also, from when apparently Peaches came out was 1998, so that was six years after the fall of the USSR. So yeah, pretty recent memory then. You know, another thing that you brought up earlier I wanted to come back to was the um, the bit in the song where he talks about peaches come from a can. They were put there by a man in a factory downtown. <laughs> the author of the essay recognizes this as uh, something that needs analysis, that somehow plays into the, the, the Marxist factor in the song. Uh, but I'm surprised, as someone who identifies as a Marxist, I'm surprised that he doesn't bring up the term that immediately comes to mind for me. The man. Right? <laughs> uh, it would be commodity fetishism. No. So, normally, in capitalism, what you're supposed to do is see the can of peaches on the supermarket shelf, see how much it costs, and only think about that. Say, ah, yeah, these peaches cost one thirty-five or whatever, and either it's a good deal or it's a bad deal or, you know, whatever. By saying they come from a can and they were put there by a man in a factory downtown, what you're doing is de-fetishizing the commodity. You're explaining the entire social relations of what this commodity is. And, and well, I should say not the entire social relations. To really know that, or at least to know it enough to the point where I think it's super useful. You need to go to the countries to, to see all the peaches? <laughs> I, I, actually, I was going to say you'd want to know how much the workers were paid and how much the the capitalists took from the workers. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, because that's part of the social relation is, is out of the amount that is made from these peaches, out of the total revenues, how much goes to the rent and how much goes to interest and how much goes to the workers and how much goes to the capitalists and how much goes to their top-level managers. You know, how do they divide the social product? Because that's all... All the price of something and all of the selling of something is, is different ways of dividing up the social product. And by purchasing that item, you're devoting an extra buck 35 or whatever it is to that entity, but then that entity divides that buck 35, which if you add up everyone's buck 35 is whatever, millions or billions, you know, depending on the size of the operation, is a lot of money. And they're dividing that up in whatever way they see fit. So, to remind folks that that's how the commodity comes on the shelf, I think is a very Marxist thing. Uh, the author kind of writes that, you know, like kind of calling back to what you mentioned earlier, Tony, he, 
kind of gets caught up with this whole like condemning of factories, which I don't think is a socialist stance. You know, the the idea that we could use science and technology and industry to do wonderful things like preserve food, that's something that communists would support. But to understand how that functions in a capitalist society, it is itself a, a Marxist stance. To to kind of ignore that fact and ignore the history behind the commodity, that would be the the normal ideology of capitalism. To think about it, that would be Marxism. I'm still also with this shocked that they didn't pick up on the last part where it's millions of peaches peaches for me millions of peaches peaches for free like that's a pretty anti-corporate mm-hmm. message at very least mm-hmm. and for all, all of their wrangling about other stuff it's maybe they thought that one was just too on the nose to bought, have to mention or something but it's kind of weird that that was left out of their analysis <laughs> yeah i think at the very least i mean one one of the critiques that gets thrown against um socialists and social democrats alike is that the things that are called free are not really free and i actually stand by that for example universal health care that's not really free health care that's health care that we all pay for but we all pay for it together and we all receive it together and if we're going to be honest, we have to recognize that fact, and I think it is good to recognize that fact. You know, when uh, when the NHS, the National Health Service, came out in Great Britain, or in England, the propaganda for it, the advertisements for it, told you, this is not a charity. You pay for it with your taxes. And I think part of that probably was so that people would accept it and actually use it because people didn't want to take charity if they didn't think they deserved it or needed it or whatever. But I think that's something to be proud of, to say, yes, we do pay for this. Part of the work I do support, you know, pays for the houses and food and everything else of the salary, essentially, of the workers who work to provide all of us with health care. And I think that's a wonderful thing. But I'm not against, I mean, it, it's it's kind of tough because I, I think, okay, does free mean everything that I just said or does free kind of hide everything that I just said, you know? Mm-hmm. It, I'm, I'm not sure if free is the right word to use or not. If it is the right word to use, then it has to mean everything that I just outlined. But either way, call, saying in the song, peaches for free... That's clear, whether, whatever free means in that context, it's clearly a distinction from the capitalist mode of production. Because capitalism will distribute those commodities based on whoever has the money to pay. So, you know, the, the, those peaches are not free, they cost something. And the way we decide who gets those peaches is whoever has the money to buy them. If a family really needs peaches or food or whatever, but they don't have the money for it, in capitalism, too bad, so sad, you don't get that. Mm -hmm. Maybe instead of free, we should say no cost to, no immediate cost to the direct consumer. 
or the immediate doesn't fit into the course quite as well. Yeah, but I, I think you could, I think it could be worked. If in. you could put that in an iambic pentameter, then maybe we could talk. Oh boy. <laughs> There's a line that one I think has the most striking visual metaphor that this the author uses, which is squished a rotten peach in my fist. Because we've established that peaches, are, 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 whether they they have come to represent capitalism and um and also freedom from capitalism in in the song, but a rotten peach would probably be the 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 taint and corruption of capitalism. And this is you're squeezing it away. Um, but then the line after that is and dream about you, woman. And and the author says that this is because communists have been associated with lacking masculinity. And I want to see why. Is is that true? Like historically? Because I don't remember any anything like that from like the Red Scare where they specifically talked about them being feminine. Um, is this just is this due into just like the, the perspective of this author being a little uh, like uninformed or is that actually something that's substantive? Go ahead. Uh, it's, it's nothing I'm aware of, specifically, but I also, I mean, people will do the thing where they just lump a bunch of what they consider negative things together and hurl it at someone. Sure. Yeah. So maybe in that way, maybe they've heard that, mm-hmm. like some sort of derogatory uh, thing. I'm, just, I'm not trying to say what's actually in my head. Uh, uh, some sort of derogatory thing towards them. Oh, maybe we'll just because you know. when uh, I heard like, that line, like faggy gummy or something like that, right? Or, yeah. You know. Well, definitely foreigner can sometimes be associated. Like the 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 liberal foreigner can be seen at least nowadays as being someone who is less masculine than a like a conservative right American. But when because it's funny because when I listen, hear that line, squish a rotten peach in my fist and dream about your woman, I think like. Oh, the woman is liberty or something, or the woman is a dream that you have, a, a, a nice dream that you are wish, that, that you want to attain. Like, it sounds communism. nice to me. Right. <laughs> That's what, exactly what I mean. She's sort of like this personification of, of communism uh, or communist ideal. And then, um, and you're dreaming about it as you squeeze that rotten peach. But he, you know, he took it in a derogatory way. I, I think it's really interesting, the the association that the author has between communism and and being feminine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, at first, I think it is striking as a little bit odd because if you look at all of the different political ideologies, in many ways, communism comes off as actually kind of like hyper-masculine sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, especially the the communists who are kind of like the old guard Stalinist you know, like, there's a certain branch of communism that that I think likes and appeals to a sort of militaristic uh, frame of mind. However, at the same time, I think that there is maybe a little something to what he's saying. It's not completely weird. When you compare the Soviet Union or other communists to the general, like, capitalist status quo... Capitalism, it was clear, had made an alliance with patriarchy. Mm-hmm. It took the sexism that was there before capitalism came into existence and decided to use that as as part of itself. So capitalism for a long time in the U.S. and, and so forth was very sexist. Women weren't allowed to vote or have property. And just socially, even today, they may have all of these legal 
uh, equalities that they're entitled to. They're not, when you look at the social statistics, actually treated equally. Communism, however, like, for example, the Soviet Union, it was one of the first places to have women soldiers. You know, partially by, because of need. They just needed more people to fight. And, you know, the, I think one of the most, like, one of those, like, interesting facts I didn't know about the Soviet Union is that the Soviet Union had the, one of the best snipers in the whole world. And she was a woman. One of the best snipers in the world was a woman, and she fought for the Soviet Union because they just needed bodies. And so, you know, when when you need bodies, you don't care very much whether they're men or women. And I think, in general, communists are pretty into the idea of gender equality. Now, if you live in a patriarchal society, and if you're a little sexist yourself, you might see gender equality as feminine mm-hmm. uh so i so i don't think that the author is completely off base with saying that communism is feminine in the sense that it's ideally gender equal mm-hmm. um but i don't think that that you know that that's not necessarily a bad thing however mm-hmm. i i don't think that the phrase dreamed about you woman I don't think there's enough evidence in the text of the song to say that that is a call to the fact of the gender equality of communism or or to any f- uh, femininity in communism itself. Mm. I feel I felt like that was a little bit of a stretch when I read the essay. You know, I wanted to say something about the rotten peach part. I like this part of the song because there is tension in this part of the song. You can feel it in the music. It's building some tension. The author of the essay points out that a fist represents power and anger. I'm surprised he doesn't call out that a fist is generally the the power of left-wing struggle. If you see a lot of symbols on the left, you'll see a fist, or sometimes if they want to be more specific, a fist holding something in particular. And that I feel, I feel like that imagery could really play into the building of an argument for this being a, a Marxist song. Mm-hmm. To say that you've got the image of a fist, you know, crushing something rotten. Mm-hmm. And that totally plays into the imagery that the left has used tra- traditionally. Yeah, I can see that. Just a fist in the air crushing a peach. You see it exploding out to the sides. And then a fist, two other fists behind, one holding a hammer and one holding the sickle. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, like for example, if you were trying to get a farm workers union together and this particular group of people you were trying to organize are people that pick peaches, oh yeah, you better believe that the symbol that gets, gets mm-hmm. chosen, or at least one of the ones that gets nominated, is a fist holding a peach up in the air. Yeah. That's also the uh, like it's my favorite um, metaphor in the song that the author ca- calls out. But it's also the one part of the song that would that actually makes me question if there wasn't a part of the the writers of the song from the presidency of the United States of America that had a little bit of that in mind because. The song could be argued just be like, it's about peaches. Like, all these things are just true about peaches. They're sort of sing-songy, almost childish ways to talk about it. Peaches come from a can. They were put there by a man. You could see someone saying that to a child. Um, and then you get to go to this nice country and eat them. But 
But then why do you have a moment where you're squeezing a rotten one in your fist? It just doesn't. It's the one thing in that pattern that stands out. Mm -hmm. And it also has such a strong, aggressive, indignant connotation. It really kind of like puts that thought in me like, oh my gosh, maybe there was something. It it maybe was subconscious, but I don't know. It just kind of feels like that. Well, I think what's interesting is uh, the fact that sometimes telling the truth about something is radical in and of itself and can be labeled as Marxist. In other words, just saying peaches come from a can, they were put by a man, and they, they, there was a factory involved. Like like you said, those are all factual things, and they make like a fun little rhyme. Mm. But that can be seen as a revolutionary attack on capitalism, even though we're just saying what's factually true about peaches. Mm. Uh, which I think is really interesting is yeah. that 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 can uh, come off that way, and I and I honestly do think that the truth is revolutionary many times. Well, like we had talked about in a previous episode, there's the idea of uh, hiding the truth from people uh, so that you can control them because people don't need to know the truth. So I, I think that goes hand in hand with that. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the introduction of tension into the song and the crushing of the rotten peach, they've already acknowledged the kind of production relationship of peaches by saying they were put by there by a man and a factory was was involved. Which, you know, when whenever you say factory, that pulls in the the uh, the idea or the fact that there's somebody that owns that factory. You know, in in a very loose way, it references the ownership of the means of production. So then when you introduce tension, I honestly think that the tension that's introduced in the song is nonspecific. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really say what the tension is about. You know, the rotten peach could be anything. Anything that you don't like, you refer to as rotten. And and peaches have already been established in the song. So it's just a blank slate to put something on. But the only thing that's really been brought up in the song up to that point has been the relations of production. That the fact that mm-hmm. a man put the peaches in, in there and was working in a factory. So within that context, if you introduce a blank slate of tension, it totally makes sense to interpret that as the tension between the the mode of production and the person who wants to yeah. be free from it. And not only that, but the tension resolution is very particular as we've already stated it, it, it is a very like um indignant assertive gesture you didn't need to do that if you have a a, a spoiled peach you can throw it away you can get rid of it that easily could have been part of the song but no i mean this is this is a a this is a different kind of gesture and it's a different take on that tension um and yeah so I, it, it's 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 pretty uh it's pretty clear in a lot of ways it's kind of cool so he calls out the sun soaked in bulges in the shade as being sort of as capitalist fat cats. Um, and what's interesting about that is the line before that, I don't know if he mentions this, but he says, if I had my little way, I'd eat peaches every day. Which implies that he can't eat peaches every day. There is, there is a force that, um, that is put up a wall to stop him in some way from getting these peaches, making them free, like, in whatever context you want to use that word free. Um, and then he immediately afterwards says, basically, point, it, the next line is sun-soaked in bulges in the shade. And they're talking to the, uh, the author of the essay says they're talking about capitalists. I imagine peaches when I hear that part. <laughs> right. uh-huh. But 
it's interesting that he did think of that because it's preceded by a line where a person is being kept from something, being kept from from the the fruit of his labor, as it were. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, wait, do you think the peaches are the oppressor? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> the capitalist peaches. That's why they can't have them every day. I'll never the... look at the grocery store the same way in the produce aisle. Yeah. You never know. No, I th- I th- I think you're onto something in the fa- in the sense that the the line if I had my little way I'd eat peaches every day is a stronger line to make his argument whereas I I felt like the sun soaking bulges in the shade to say that that represents a fat capitalist sunbathing but also in the shade at the same time because his skin he does, is too he doesn't pale. get what sunbathing is <laughs> yeah <laughs> I felt like that was a little bit of a stretch yeah 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 but but yeah, I th- I do think though that maybe they was coming from that idea like of want and being kept from it, and yeah, like subconsciously they drew that idea, but they couldn't pinpoint exactly which yeah. line it was. So like, oh, it must be this. Just like through an arrow, <laughs> through a, through a dart, edit on the wall. Yeah. Oh my god, that's a great way to do analysis. Throw a dart. All right, the analysis for this one mm-hmm. is just a little bit off, but yeah, it still made. You can see the the way those gears were turning, and it ends up. Kind of meaning the same thing. It's kind of cool. Well, this was really fun. I'm yeah. glad that uh, we got a chance to read this essay and to listen to this song that I still love. This song, it was so fun just to listen to it, yeah. even now. It's a great song from by a great band. Go, yeah. go buy any of their albums. They're wonderful. You know, I mentioned this before we were recording, but maybe I'll say it now, too, that the... Um, one of the lead guys of Presidents of the United States, his name is Chris Ballou, and he does kids' songs now. I mean, I'll, he mentioned in some interviews that, uh, what he writes now are silly songs about animals, and that's largely what he wrote about in the Presidents of the United States. The, not a lot of animal imagery in this one, but I feel like I can see also the world of children coming into this. Uh, the idea of things being free, you know, that's, when you're a child, you don't work for something and then get paid for that and exchange it. You know, it's, it's either something that your parents or, you know, guardians give you or not. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, uh, it's much clear, much more clear the social determination of the distribution of goods it, it, to a certain extent when you're a child. Um, I think that kind of plays into this a little bit too. Like writing songs that promote capitalism, I think is actually a much harder thing to do. It's one of the reasons why you'll get a lot of essays that are kind of like this one. You know, maybe most songs aren't quite as ripe for this kind of analysis (laughs) as Peaches. Yes. But at the same time, I think to write a song that is fully in support of capitalism is almost kind of just an awful song because there's just so many places that human beings come from that aren't really in line with capitalism, that have at least to a small extent some beef with capitalism. (laughs) And I think the world of children is part of that.
episode is part of the Marxism Today podcast series. Marxism Today is recorded, mixed, edited, produced, and maintained by Tony Schmidt and Red Wagner. It is distributed freely and licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 license. To find out more about the Marxism Today podcast, visit our website at marxismtodaypodcast.wordpress.com, where you can find archives of all of our episodes available for download. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.